John Podcast Network. Alright. Do you have a bit? I don't know. Just the prophecy has been fulfilled. Fulfilled? Fulfilled. The prophecy has been fulfilled. Yeah. I pronounced that badly. But we have we are completing our Lerman deep dive. Yeah. Yeah. With the first one, which yeah. is weird. I well, mean, again. Yeah. We talk about this a little bit in other episodes. This is what happens when you don't plan things in advance. You just sort of live in the moment. Yeah. Which I think, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, I think Boz Lerman would enjoy. Maybe, yeah. Sure. I think he would appreciate the, like, cool, let's just go with it energy. Mm-hmm. In case this is your first episode of the podcast, for some reason, a big Strictly Ballroom fan, perhaps, um, <laughs> hello, excellent human, welcome to another episode of Hate Watch, Great Watch. I am your co-host, Hunter Bush, with me as always. Your co-host, Allison Yukulis. And today we are completing our Lovin' with Lerman, Boz Lerman miniseries with episode five. So, it uh, started... The Pentilogy. Pentil- Pentilogy, yes. I guess, right? Is Pentathlon. that Pentathlon. <laughs> Penta al zero miedo. Yeah. So, started with a little cute little idea. We like to do cute things in February because it is the love month. And because we're so cute. We're very cute. And it's also Hunter's birthday month. Not cute. But yeah, we like to do little, you know, yeah, theme do. theme months and, and things whenever we, we come across them. But uh, especially for February. And we thought we would do back-to-back. The two Boz Lerman movies, we both had individually had a strong opinion on one or the other. Um, I really liked Romeo and Juliet, and Allison hadn't seen it in years, but did, did remembered not liking it. Yeah. And I was the same way about Moulin Rouge, where she really liked that, and I was like, oh, no, I think I hated that. And so we were like, oh, we've been sort of putting these off and putting these off, and we are like, oh, let's just do those back-to-back for February. That'll be fun. A nice little thing. We'll call it Loving with Lerman. It'll be two parts and we'll be done. And then, you know, I stopped by the thrift store and they had a copy of Australia. So I picked that up and we watched it and we liked it. And I was like, I think we could do an episode on this. Like, there's a lot to say here. And then I was editing it and I was like, he only has like five movies, right? And I looked and I was like, yeah, Great Gatsby. And I was like, that's always at the thrift store and I never pick it up. Mm -hmm. And I was like, and and then this, Strictly Ballroom. I was like, "Let's, let's get them. I had to order Strictly Ballroom, so it took longer to get here than Gatsby, which we picked up from the thrift store on the day. We ended up doing his second, then third, then fourth, then fifth, and then ending with his first. Yes. Which, Um, I mean, it's kind of interesting because, again, I've really been able to see how his style evolves. Yeah. If, If I was... If I was of a mind to, I could make the argument that we intended to do it this way. Because <laughs> it's not a bad format. It's no. interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, got some, it's got some mustard on it. Mm-hmm. 
as as I say. Yeah, but it was totally by accident. Uh, and I don't know. We, if we do anything like this in the future, we might do this format again just because it might be our calling card. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it is That's, interesting to yeah. see how he, you know, especially with this sort of limited filmography, um, you know, it, it's not as deep a bench. So we watched his popular career and then went back to his first film, which is, you know, comparatively unknown. Yeah. It's not unknown entirely, right. but it's comparatively much lesser seen. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting, yes, to go back and, and, and do that in this order. So with the much lesser scene, that was another funny thing when this arrived. You got the Blu-ray. And much like when they take a book that was adapted into a movie and slap all the actors on the cover... Yeah. This has a ton of they like from the director of uh, Moulin, Rouge. Moulin Rouge and Romeo and Juliet. See his yeah. first film, blah blah blah. And I'm like, damn. So <laughs> these three films are known as his Red Curtain trilogy because they all feature a curtain rising at the yeah. beginning. Yeah. Well, and so I, I looked into that real quick. Apparently, he has said that they are like a, a loosely thematic trilogy sure. in that they're different styles of theater. Yes. This has dancing. Romeo and Juliet has poetry and Moulin Rouge has song. Sure. So burlesque. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we did a similar thing talking about uh, Shaun of the Dead as part of uh, the Cornetto. Sure. The Cornetto trilogy. Yeah. 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 Um, where there's, you know, thematic linkage, but not anything direct really yeah no yes mm -hmm. it's thematic only yeah it's it's a conceptual thing yeah mm -hmm. which is cool i yeah, yeah. also it's funny because like we've seen him reuse a couple of actors in later films uh notably leonardo caprio and uh nicole kidman yes. and uh john leguizamo john leguizamo and, and to a lesser degree a couple of people in this pop yeah. up in um australia and but things but uh, also the only yeah. person to be in multiple red trilogy or red curtain trilogy movies that i was aware of was john leguizamo i don't think anybody else no no there's no crossover in, yeah. between uh, romeo and and mulan yeah yeah uh yasek uh, komen i think his name is mm. uh he's in mulan rouge and australia and i believe he's might also be in gatsby in a small role in australia it's a very he's like one of the cowboys like yeah, yeah, yeah. an unnamed role he's the um narcoleptic argentinian yeah. in moulin rouge um, which was a great performance which is why i remembered his name and sure. saw him in the credits again i was like oh it's you yeah hi um yeah <laughs> and it's a much smaller role a little cameo thing but yeah. um he might also appear in gatsby because there's a lot of people <laughs> popping up around the the edges of that film yeah, well, you got big crowd sequences. So, exactly. You know. So, uh, but this has no big notable stars. Uh, it's Australian, um, primarily Australian cast, and mm -hmm. uh, a lot of dance background. Well, maybe half the cast has a dance background. Yeah. It's actually surprisingly little dancers for how much dancing there is. Yeah. You know. Yeah, uh, and this started as a stage play. Yes. And was adapted to be a film, and is. I, it's got to be a much lower budget than any of his any other, of his other yeah. stuff. So and like, know. I mean, not not in a bad way, but it shows like thematically as a miniseries, it would be more satisfying to have gone from the beginning to the end because, especially with Gatsby, where listen to our previous episode. In fact, I was kind of building to this, but listen to all four previous episodes really to get the full picture of of uh, you know 
Boz Lerman as a as a director, you know, honing his craft and things we talk about his upcoming film Elvis mm -hmm. um, a little bit. But in our in our Gatsby episode, yeah, we talk about you know he's sort of fine tuning things, and this has a lot of his stylistic flourish and things. It's it's kind of a heightened reality, the same way a lot of his pictures, especially like Romeo and Juliet, feels very similar to this. Um, yes, Moulin Rouge has elements of it, but he's starting to move away from that style. Yeah, he's getting less stagey, more cinematic. Yeah, uh, and still a heightened reality, but yeah. a little bit less like playing to the camera specifically. But like I said, there's moments of it. Yeah, but um, oh, he does love doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but this could really have benefited from the budgets because there's ideas here and there are sequences here that I think with a higher budget he would have like blown out of the water yeah, would have been much splashier yeah. yeah as it is it has a kind of a low budget you know vibe to it which fits with the story because it's it's about a you know local ballroom competition and building up to the what do they call it's it is the pan pacific grand prix is the, the pan, big the is pan the big pacific dancing enchilada yeah, yeah um and but even that looks like you know it's put on in a rec center you know that kind of thing. It, yeah. It, 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 I again speculating, but I think with more budget, he would have done a much larger, um, sort of miscongeniality, like big stadium thing for sure. it. You know that kind of. But I mean, like it is almost funnier in a microcosm. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and I think like that works for the movie, whether it's intentional yeah. or not. It works for the movie that, um, as I mean, like the the whole movie is is it's very political. <laughs> It's very about the politics of the dance world. Yeah. There's a fucking joke on 30 Rock, which I might have referenced uh, before. It's um, Liz Lemon is on whatever fake talk show uh, and answering questions, um, relationship questions. Oh. And the girl goes, uh, you know, my boyfriend works at one tanning salon, but I have to go to the other tanning salon because he won't let me tan for free. And you know how there's no secrets in the tanning community? This is kind of like that. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's very like oh, wow, there's a whole, like, microcosm to this, just this world yeah. <laughs> that is very, like, insular, and there's these power dynamics, and yeah, people well, have these huge egos over stuff, and, you know, well, yeah, everyone I mean, else is largely unaware of. You know, you have basically, like, the old guard running the show that, like, it has the, the power to say what are legal and illegal dance steps, <laughs> and a lot of this is, yeah, being true to yourself and dancing from the heart and stuff. And that being, yeah, like a, a metaphor for individuality in the face of. Uh... Well, I have a quote from sure. Boz Lerman. Yeah. He says, the point of Strictly Ballroom is if someone is telling you that there is only one way to cha-cha or that there's only one way to make a movie, I just have never been able to buy into that belief. Mm -hmm. With respect to old Hollywood, the outsider is a champion and he starts a revolution. Yeah. I mean, like, how the hell else do you get, you know, new ideas? Yeah, of course. For good or ill, Baz Luhrmann brought a completely, you know, fresh point of view and aesthetic to maybe not quite blockbuster, but like teen heartthrob Oh, films. totally, yeah, you yeah. You know, like everything after Romeo and Juliet for a while wanted to look like Romeo and Juliet. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Wanted to have that feel. Yeah. You know? Yeah, actually, because like that's also around mean, the like, time that... um television and commercials and yeah. stuff as well. Like we're like, oh look at this like just look at any of it and like 
the way it moves and stuff like and that was very you know that was and yeah wasn't there like a a i guess it was like a cinderella uh reimagining or something like that that had uh i think it was like ever after or something what drew barrymore was it Drew Barrymore? I thought it was. Um, I don't know what you're. Um, I don't know what you're actually. Ever yeah. after. Oh yeah, that was Drew Barrymore. Is that what you're thinking of? Yeah, that was what I was thinking okay. of. I just didn't remember that it was Drew Barrymore in that role. But yeah, I, I I think that that was trying very hard to be, doing those very like, you know, soft and gauzy moments, and you know. I would have to rewatch that. Yeah. But possibly, I I just don't remember it. Yeah. I've probably seen it. Seems like something I saw, but I couldn't yeah. tell you for sure. Also, that's that's definitely another movie that I haven't seen in 20 years. <laughs> yeah, of course. So, oh, and I mean, also you like to talk about how, like, David Fincher is a director that, like, he'll change up his style and then suddenly everybody else is trying to bite off of it. Yeah, weirdly, David Fincher is, like, a, the, the tastemaker for films. I maybe, maybe, I mean, it definitely bleeds out into other things now, mm-hmm. but, like... Yeah, he made like he makes three or four movies at a time with a specific sort of visual handful of like you know aesthetics like filters, colors, moods, moves, you know all these, and then they start showing up everywhere. And whether it was intentional all along, or he was just like, oh, a lot of people are biting my style. I'm going to change it, or maybe it was just like I've grown out yeah, of this. I'm bored now. Yeah. Yeah. Then he, you know, I mean, like it always looks like a David Fincher movie, but you won't see the same kind of camera moves in, you know, uh, the, the Benjamin Button that you do in Seven. You know, like, mm-hmm. it won't have the same filters, the same aesthetics, exactly. Um, but he'll do three or four movies of a kind and then change his style up, but everything starts to look like those movies. Yeah. And, I mean, it's not any... I guess it's not surprising because, like, most of his films get nominated for Academy Awards for something, so they are... Yeah, if you're going to steal, steal from the best. Well, and they're <laughs> movies that even non, like, you know, cinephiles are aware of because they are in Oscar talk, mm-hmm. you know? So they're the things that, like, oh, even people that don't super follow cinema, like, the, the two things you're aware of if you're not super plugged into, you know, movies are huge blockbusters that make a ton of money because everybody talks about them and Oscar pictures because everybody talks about them, you know? Yep. And so, yeah, that style, like, leaks over into other things because, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, yes, when a filmmaker makes something that is unusual and works, then people copy it. Yes. Yes, that is true. Yeah. That's, I mean, everything does that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I mean, like, music does that, you know, art does that. Yeah. Advertising, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, oh, Absolute Vodka is going to do a bunch of, like, minimalist, you know, advertising, where it's just, like, the shape of the bottle and that big, bold print logo. Mm-hmm. But it's like, oh, we arranged it out of, like, flowers. And it says, like, absolutely floral or whatever. It's, like, very minimal. Yeah. And then after that, fucking, you know, they were doing iPod ads, which are just like a silhouette against a colored backdrop. I mean, that was even something that uh, you were kind of complaining about with movie posters, was that there was a lot of trendiness. Mm. Yeah, after, after Fast and Furious became a huge, like, franchise, kind of slowly... Uh, every poster looks like Fast and Furious. Not everything, but a lot of a lot of the like mid-level actiony movie posters look like a Fast and Furious thing. They have 
the same kind of font at like canted at roughly the same angle with roughly the same color scheme. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And like, other than that, yeah, most things are just like the title and some heads. And it's just like, boy, that's boring as fuck. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I like a movie poster to have, I don't know, something. S some thematic relevance to whatever. Right, because yeah. like, I don't know. I already know. There's there's basically any more two kinds of posters. There's a teaser for big blockbusters that they throw up. And it's just like got a shape on it. Something's supposed to be enigmatic. It's usually a fucking silhouette. It's mm -hmm. usually somebody with their back to the camera. That's pretty common. And then the you know the main one will come out which will ha usually have just a bunch of heads a collage of heads and it's like okay this is boring can you make the collage in the shape of something interesting no okay that's why I like i like even bad movies with good posters and a lot of them are horror movies where it's like oh the movie wasn't good yeah. poster is good though yeah i remember when uh the poster dropped for nope and everybody was like dissecting it oh yeah yeah it's an, what does this mean right it's an enigmatic yeah. image where you're right. like oh that's interesting it makes me interested in the movie more than having you know Somebody standing with their fucking back to the camera. Yeah. It just says, nope. And you're like, okay, yeah, that's my feeling on the movie now. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of a bad movie with a good... Po oh, uh, Truth or Dare. I don't remember what that poster you, looked like. It's It's got a skull and the question mark uh, in it. And, like, it's worked in, in an interesting way. And okay. I was just like, oh, this is cool. And then we watched the movie. I'm like, that movie's fine it's not good but like it's not terrible it's just ab you know just average kind of falls apart at the end for me but like yeah i was like yeah, it's fine it's not terrible yeah but the poster's good like yep. but we should talk about strictly ballroom yeah released in the u.s in 1996 but released in australia in 1992 i believe uh something like that sure yeah yeah, yeah it, it sort of took the indie film world by storm uh a little bit uh, enough to get Boz Lerman, you know the attention that ended up, you know, with him making Romeo and Juliet. It's got a lot of Baz Luhrmann style in it, like thematically and story wise. Um, yeah. It weirdly, there's a, it has a, um, I wanted to look up. It has a faux documentary style in the beginning that I, it pretty much I, does away with. Yeah. I, I also had that as a note that like they're right? doing yeah interviews, but it's dropped almost immediately. Yeah. There's like a yep. few in the beginning and then after that, nothing yeah. happens. Which, you know, I mean like starting to remind me of like best in show also because right. that's like, again, like well, a, that's what a I was going to look up within, when, you know, waiting for Guffman uh, was what year that came out mm -hmm. that was oh that was released in 1996 so this was yeah i mean like there had been faux docs before this but um but that being a vehicle for comedy wasn't as popular usually faux documentary is is a comedy yeah. like that's a, a pretty common um right but again wasn't as popular of a notion as it was for a minute there <laughs> Yeah, but um, we were doing it in TV shows. We we're doing it in movies. But yeah, Christopher, uh, waiting for Guffman. I, I kind of started the Christopher Guestessance, um, which mm -hmm. is his whole career is like faux documentaries, and they're all pretty damn good. Yeah, well, he also gets like you know really good like comedians. Yeah, well, he is a comedian. There. He yeah. was in Spinal Tap. Yeah, and just you know that makes a lot of difference is getting people that can be funny and giving them room to do it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think mm -hmm. that's a huge part is, like, coming up with a, a character and being like, all right, now just go. And knowing that, you know, if you give Eugene Levy enough rope, he'll, you know, make something out of it. You know, you're like, yeah. okay, cool. Like, your character is this. Like, yeah. 
you have this relationship with this guy, you have this relationship with that guy, and, you know, maybe you have a thing for, you know, alpacas. Mm -hmm. Run with all that. And mm -hmm. Eugene Levy will be like, all right, yeah, and like, and do something with it. Yeah. Um, that's kind of how all those casts uh, work, and they're all pretty good. Um, this reminded me of those, you know, early Christopher Guest movies, even in like the scope, you know, like, yeah. and the, the, you know, visual presentation and stuff. And like, it's the same sort of a thing where it's these insular worlds with all these eccentric weirdos and the internal politics of these worlds. Yeah. Well, I think also like, you know, functionally having a, a scope that's of a limited size lets you have weirder people. And have yeah. it still be believable. <laughs> yeah, and, and also it works with your budget. Like, yeah. You know. Yeah. Not yeah. everybody can make, uh, you know, Doctor Strangelove, which is also filled with crazy characters, but, you know, much larger scale. Sure, yeah. And budget. Mm -hmm. So, Allison, what's Strictly Ballroom about? Uh, it's about uh, competitive ballroom dancing. And uh, our, our main character, uh, Scott... Hastings, right? Scott. Scott. There's only one Scott, yeah. so we're not going to have to is, differentiate by last yeah. name. Scott is the, like, you know, new it kid on the scene, and it's going to be his year, and they expect him to take the uh, Grand Prix. He apparently, we find out a little later, is somewhat of a dynasty. Yeah, his parents were both competitive ballroom and dancers. And And, yeah, and good. Um, and what, like, they're kind of running a dance studio yes um, his mom's more specifically like a makeup and costumes expert but yes. also does and her dancing. former dance manager les who is now like he's the or like dan dance instructor les uh -huh. um is now instructing the whole class yeah and yeah okay um and then his dad is just kind of like around he's the guy that you know he's like oh put on a samba record and he puts on a samba record and he's the guy that like mops up and yeah um and he seems kind of like a fucking space cadet yeah and you're not really sure why yeah yeah i mean like there's uh a lot of other like big name dancers in in this year's ballroom yes scott's big competitor is named ken uh he is a drunk with too much tanning yeah john <laughs> hanan yeah Hannon. yeah um, he is like he looks like the Ric Flair of nineteen ninety two ballroom dance. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, a lot of people are dressed kind of like Ric Flair. But it's <sighs> yep. the it's the like he's got kind of a pompadour, but it's like that like white blonde Ric yep. Flair hair. Yep. And I was like, this could be good. Yep. Not enough wooing though. No. At the time, Scott's oh, partner. Scott, by the way, is Paul uh, played by Paul Mercurio. Yeah. Just by the way. Yeah. Uh Scott has a partner, Liz. Gia Caritas. Or, yep. I'm not sure how to pronounce these names. If I yeah. get them wrong, please email us. Yeah. Who he's kind of like in and out with. She's frustrated because Scott keeps trying to do illegal steps that are very crowd pleasing, but that piss off the judges because again, the the world of ballroom dancing is very strict in terms of like what you can and can't actually do, I guess. Sure. Yeah. To be honest, there's not enough of that in this movie. There's not enough of like why or what, like, I was, you know, you're kind of like, oh, I guess this must be an illegal move, because they're showing it to us. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I was like, I don't, I don't, I'm not in this world, so yeah. you gotta do something to put me in this world and let me know when I see it, like, ooh, this is an illegal move, this is a big deal. Not like, I guess it is. Mm -hmm. 
And I don't know how, I have no solve for that. Yeah. I have no, like, oh, they should have done this or that. I mean, the obvious thing would be some kind of point of view character. And, like, doing, a, you know, the faux documentary angle at the beginning, I thought that's where they were going. Like, right. these people so they... don't know anything about dance. We're going to tell them, like, you know, the rules. Like, oh, in ballroom dancing, like, the steps are very, you know, like, specific. You can only take so many steps per thing or whatever and when scott does these flourishes and jumps he's you know breaking the you know or something and like oh okay and then i would understand it mm -hmm. but they abandon that so quickly yeah it's basically like two or three little quick talking head things usually from scott's mom mm -hmm. being like this was gonna be his year and that's kind of it yeah and it never comes back yep. and i forgot about it until looking at my notes when i was like oh faux documentary cool <laughs> i was like oh no not cool <laughs> went yeah. away i burned in darkness without you and it went away it's from Willow. <laughs> That's a reference to Willow, you guys. We should do Willow. Willow is a movie I could quote end to end. I love it, and I've seen it a million times. Willow's a good movie. Willow is a good yeah. movie. Also, I blew some kids' minds at the Art Mart playing Willow. So glad you added minds. <laughs> no, you know, it's a couple of youths and stuff, and they're like, what is this? And I'm like, it's called Willow. It came out in, it's what, Game the of 80s? It's Game of Thrones. Yeah. It's the prequel. Um, and, you know, I'm like, yeah, it's got Warwick Davis, who is Warwick. also who is also in the Leprechaun. Yes. <laughs> and the Star Wars. Yeah, they're like, this reminds me of the Labyrinth. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. It kind of does. Yeah, because yep. it's from roughly the same era <laughs> right. and is good. Yep. And it's like a little fanciful. Yeah, it's fanciful and it has practical effects. So it looks good. Yeah. Still, now, today. Yep. Whereas... You know, get at me in fucking 2032 and let me know if the dragons from Game of Thrones still fucking rock your world. Yeah. Because, like, maybe they will. Maybe they won't. Yeah, if they made it now, they'd have actually, like, you know, people morphing into pigs all CG'd up instead of just doing, like, a poof and a pig appears. Oh, and Willow? <laughs> yeah. They do that, um, like proto cg like oh, yeah, image morphing. Yeah, they do. Which they did in the um, Michael Jackson black or white video. Uh-huh. I mean, it was much better in that because it was also later and they spent a little more money on less, mm -hmm. you know, stuff. It's a music video rather than a feature film. But, yeah, they do that kind of, like, shape morphing thing. Oh, man, like a fucking Animorphs cover. <laughs> uh, pretty good. Pretty good stuff. Yeah. I love... I Listen, I'd rather watch a janky, cheap special effect than a really expensive one that looks great right now and is going to look like shit in five years. Yeah. I mean, like, not shit, but, like, I go back and watch, like, the original Jurassic Park and I'm like... Oh, wow. Like, I remember seeing this in theaters and being like, that's what a dinosaur looks like. It looks real. And now I'm looking at it, I'm like, that's a really cool cartoon dinosaur you got. Boy, that was expensive. Yep. I mean, Jurassic Park works still as a movie because most of it's not CGI. Yeah. A lot of it is, you know, puppets. Yeah. Um, which rules. Yeah. And that's why that movie still works. If it was all CGI, it'd be, it would look like trash. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. we rewatched The Matrix to watch the fourth one yeah. and the first movie still holds up great because yeah. a lot of that stuff is practical yes they do a lot of wire work yeah and it looks great yeah the second and, then and third one the second and third one less so because we're doing more stuff with cg yeah and, when, ne when neo know. turns into a cgi cartoon in the middle i was like oh it's the animatrix is back mm -hmm. oh cool fuck it looked like fucking gumby was there mm -hmm. and then we also recently watched all the shreks and that didn't hold up either <laughs> That's that's a whole other kettle of fish. <laughs> Has very little to do with the style of animation. It doesn't help, <laughs> but I argue that that movie 
could be in any other format and it would still be not good. It just might be less bad on my eyes. Because yes, as it is, the first, I'd say, three Shreks are just an assault on the ocular senses. Ugly film. <laughs> Continue. Oh, you know, Liz drops him, but eventually gets back together with him, and then he drops Not physically, her. they split yeah. as a dance duo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but so for a bit of the movie, Scott's looking for a replacement partner, and ends up with Fran. Tara, I think her last name is Maurice? Okay. I think, I, you know, it looks yeah. like it might be pronounced that way. Um, who is a beginner in the Could dance studio, but, you know... Yeah, it's a real she's all that situation. It is. <laughs> um, like, like hard. Yeah, her hair is like, you know, messy because like she has not combed it. And they keep talking about how her skin is bad. And it's like, yeah, her skin is like not perfect. But as soon as she starts dancing with him, uh, she, I guess, starts combing her hair. And like, I guess the skin medicine works because she looks like 99% better. Yep, and then, you know... She still doesn't, the, like, doesn't like wear makeup until, like, the big uh, right. thing. But, like, automatically she looks, like, 99% better. Yeah. And then, like, at the... Um, they give her big glasses. Yes. They give her shitty clothes. That yeah, she, she kind of hunches yeah. and walks yeah. around, like, yeah, uh, like fucking moaning Myrtle. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, I was just like, oh, okay, this is goofy, but I kind of like it. I kind of wish they went bigger with it. Yeah. Um, that's the thing is, I think li- a little bit later, Boz Lerman would have gone bigger because there's big moments in this but they're not all equally big uh-huh. so it uh, it kind of threw me there's a, a thing um where after scott and liz split uh or maybe it's kind of it's kind of like during their split as a as a couple um she is like well i just wish that ken would run in here ken's partner is uh claire shaw i think her name is and uh she kind of, she says like I wish Cam would just run in here and say Claire Shaw's broken both her legs and I want to dance with you, and then he comes and in. then he comes in and says Claire Shaw's <laughs> broken both her legs and I want to dance with you, yeah. <laughs> and for a second I was like is this a fantasy and I was like oh no this is yeah. real <laughs> yeah we get, we get a quick little cut of her driving a car and and you know lights and going ah huh his partner oh we, the car yeah yeah, yeah the yeah. Claire I thought you meant uh, yeah no I you meant Liz. no yeah. we we see a little car accident and yes. then yeah and then he comes barging and going like you know. Oh yeah, she broke both her legs, and I want to dance with. <laughs> yeah, and like again, I thought it was like her fantasy hap- like in her head, and I was like, oh, this is this is fun, and then I was like, oh nope, that's real. I was like, I really don't know how to yeah. pin this movie down because yeah. I was like, there okay, she goes. <laughs> right? Because at the time I was still like, okay, faux documentary. Oh, and we're gonna do like fantasy sequences. I was like, cool, this is cool, and then faux documentary goes right out the window, and it wasn't a fantasy; it was real. I was like, great, all right, fine. Mm. <laughs> again, it's just like it's good. It's a little hard to pin down. Yeah, we do kind of a goofy flashback sequence much later in the film. That's yes. Like, it's like, you know, stagey and stripped down backgrounds, I guess. Like, it's it's supposed to, I guess, kind of look like they're on stage or something. Yeah, I mean, they're performing. Yeah. Uh, it's at some, like, previous competition. It's it's basically the backstory, the tragic backstory. Of, of Scott's dad. Of Scott's, yeah, dad. And, um... We've already gotten, like, a red herring backstory where you think you know what the tragic backstory is, but no, there's a secret. And, like, that's cool. But, yeah, when you finally see it, it does have this weird... I'm trying to think of, like, what's done this kind of thing in this way. It's a little, like, a, a much higher budget, you know, version of this is, like, in in uh, Gatsby when, like, the different areas have, like, different era-appropriate, you know, tint and things to them. color Coloring mm-hmm. and stuff. But, uh, 
yeah, the flashback is it, it almost reminded me of like Creep Show when they do like flashbacks in Creep in the first Creep Show movie. Mm-hmm. Um where it's got like a weird frame around it mm-hmm. and it's even stagier than like regular ass Creep Show is. Like mm-hmm. it looks even more like an EC comic. Like this is like that where it almost looks like they're on stage like in one of the plays from Rushmore or something. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, do we want to talk about the backstory or do we want to come back to that later? Uh yeah, let's go for it. Okay, so um Okay, so the f- the fake backstory is Scott's dad um, and Scott's mom were in the running. They were, they were shoe-ins. They were going to get the crown or the belt or whatever the fuck you get, the cup. At and, the Grand Prix. At the Grand Prix. Like 20 years ago or whatever the fuck. Whatever yeah. it is. And Scott's dad just couldn't resist doing his own steps, which much like Scott is doing now. And they were, I guess, illegal because, again, unclear. But disqualified, got disqualified and has never recovered. And that's why he's kind of like a burnout. Yeah. Um, and he'll never dance again. Right. Side His note. Guilty feet have got no rhythm. That's true. <laughs> I wonder if that was written about this film. Yeah. Right. It's that not song. in the movie, but it could have been. It could have been. That, this, that song was originally called Scott's dad. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Careless whispers in parentheses. Scott's dad. Scott's dad. <laughs> um, side note. We actually do see when Scott's dad sees Scott dancing his own steps and you know whatever he kind of gets like re-inspired and we see like these little shots of him like when he's alone in the in the studio like doing his like kind of like jazzy dance number you know thing oh this is fun yeah um so you you think you know that that that's what the backstory is going to be and then twist turns out and i i think the like staginess of the flashback is representative of this because it is fake Mm mm-hmm so when we see Scott's dad dancing and getting disqualified and it looks very stagey, it's because it's a story. Yeah. Because the mm-hmm. real thing is that it's it wasn't Scott's dad and Scott's mom that were the, the, the couple. It was... Yeah, she actually dumped uh, Scott's dad right before the... Again, as a as dance a, partner. As a dance partner, right before the competition. Because to dance she, with Les. Right, because she wanted to win and was afraid that they would get disqualified. Yes, and Les is her dance instructor. Yeah, so and basically, she was like, oh, we could do this, but then they still lost anyway, and they have a blow up near the end of the film where she's like, well, you would have gotten us, you know, disqualified, we wouldn't have won, and he's like, you didn't win anyway, right? And at least we would have been dancing together, right? And, and at we least didn't. like we would have been living our yeah. truth, right? Kind of thing, yeah. yeah. Which is cool and a good message, but it's weird in here. Yeah, it's kind of muddled. Yeah, because it's not about their story so much so it's weird to hinge that like moral into their story not scott's i think that way you know because this is the story that we're telling now is like you know the same thing's happening right you know it's happening again and i'm not saying that i'm not saying you have to stick to tradition with storytelling obviously like that's what that's what that quote that i read you know from Baz lerman is about is like oh there's other ways to do stuff but in a traditional film this would have built the reveal would have built and the, the the confrontation between mom and dad and Les and all that would have built to Scott's dad being like, go out there and, you know, do your dance. Don't hide. What is that? Hide your hide your light, light under, under a bushel. A bushel. Yeah. yeah. Don't put a bustle in your hedgerow or whatever. <laughs> um, and, you know, go do your dance and whatever happens, happens. Who cares? Like, yeah, you but know, no, this actually happened. Like the blow up kind of happens in the middle of uh, his, Scott and Fran dancing. Yeah. And so, so I think it's just weirdly structured. Yeah, sure. Scott is our main character. His story is what we're following. Right. So, so his arc. So he gets to learn a lesson. But with this, it's that he's going to do this, you know. Yeah. 
in any fashion and it's it's more like his struggle against big ballroom <laughs> uh rather than him actually like learning anything about living <laughs> the struggle against big ball yeah right <laughs> um yeah he he's got uh what's the word i'm looking for big ball he's room. got adversity but doesn't actually really have to learn much like it so his his big learning thing is yeah, he never doubts himself it doesn't seem right. like he can turn it off right he like never he never really has he kind of has a falling out with fran yeah a little bit but yeah. that's not really about his dancing at all it's more about him admitting that he likes her right which is a separate thing well and then also uh meddling from other people too yes, because yeah. they they want him to you know the the his, yeah, his mom's whole... still trying to get him like other partners and stuff yeah they try to pair him with uh, uh like a champion uh dance partner her name is tina sparkle played by sonia kruger um yeah. her partner is retiring to run and there's it's a i forget i meant to write it down whatever he's retiring to do is so low like it's not like he's retiring to run the Australian Dance Academy, like he's retiring to run like a dairy farm or something. Yeah, like, I thought and, it was, and, or like a laundromat or something like just really, you know, family business yeah, feeling. Yeah. And I was like, that's a very funny, like again, Christopher yeah. Guest type note. Yeah, of like, ah, he's the champ, and he's like, he's leaving like to do this dumb job that. Yeah, you know, because again, like it's kind of showing they take this super seriously. It's all very life and death to them, but like they still have day jobs and like it's all you know, like which is a very Christopher Guest. It's very Britt Baker DMD. <laughs> sure yes the, the wrestling dentist of aw and she pittsburgh is, yeah she is a dentist she is a champion she is both yeah as i like to she, say on the show she can be two things yeah out out here just living out loud and and making all of her dreams come true and she's it's kind of awesome she's yeah. great Britt baker come on the show challenge yeah pick a movie it doesn't have to be from set in pittsburgh but it could be it's fine it doesn't have to be about dentists but it could be it's fine it doesn't have to be about wrestling but it could be it's, it's fine, fine. Yeah. We haven't done them all. There are more. Oh, yeah. We barely <laughs> scratched the surface of wrestling-related movies. We haven't uh, done a single Marine. Yeah. There's so many. There are. They're not all good. No. <laughs> How could they be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But some of them do feature The Miz. Yeah. So, in the middle, they're trying to hook uh, Scott up with uh, Tina Sparkle. Tina. Yeah. You gotta say the whole thing. Tina Sparkle. Tina Sparkle. Tina Sparkle. And, you know, Fran sees that and gets pissed off because she thinks that scott had something to do with it and he's like no it it yeah they're they're trying to make this happen and i don't even want to dance with her i want to dance with you you know you get my vision because they they're both interested in doing their own steps and then also like his big like training montage and stuff is more about going back into the roots of latin dance yeah uh he meets her family uh, her Spanish family who teach him uh, Pasa du. Pasa Duble. Pasa Duble. Pasa Duble. Which is two step, basically. It means, it means double step. Right. It's a military. Oh. I, I looked it up. I was like, what, what is this? I was like, let me look this up. Mm -hmm. It's a military thing. Let me read the actual thing. I screenshotted it. Hold on. Okay. Pasa Duble is a fast paced Spanish military march used by infantry troops. It'll, uh, its speed allows troops to give 120 steps per minute, double the average of a regular unit, hence hmm. its name. March gave rise to traditional Spanish dance, musical genre including both voice and instruments, and a genre of instrumental music often played during bullfighting. Yeah. Which, I mean, also, there is some bullfighting imagery in the uh, Paso Doble sequences we get yes. here. Um, both in, like, a move where you lift both of your hands above your head and have your yeah. fingers out. 
Um, and then also there's even like mimicking bullhorns. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's even like some you know turning with each other. Yeah. Uh, with like you know a cape to that kind, kind of, of flourish. Yeah. 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 The hip turn. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, also, if you don't know, now you know. A lot of uh, ballroom dancing does have Latin roots. Waltzing is maybe the only thing that's like has a different tradition, but like a like flamenco and you know the cha cha and flamenco, you know, salsa and merengue and all that stuff is all from Latin roots and Latin music. Fl- flamenco, famously according to Murder by Death, is fucking easy. Yeah, it's the right. title of the song. Cool. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Yeah, but yeah, so I mean, like a a lot of ballroom dancing and a lot of ballroom steps are from this you know dance tradition sure yeah so yeah he's really getting back into the the roots of it and stuff and uh hanging out with her family and there's like kind of a uh you know almost a little training montage we're doing and stuff yeah functionally though it's it's a little weird because it's like oh they they don't want you to do you know your own steps you know they're they've made them somehow illegal even though as allison pointed out it's part of the root of the whole thing but it's like oh we're not going to teach you how to like incorporate your steps better into ballroom dancing. We're just going to teach you how to do that shit way fucking better. Like remember at the beginning of back to the future when Marty McFly goes and auditions and plays guitar mm-hmm. and um, Huey Lewis is there and they all say like, it's too loud. Mm-hmm. It's like if the whole rest of the movie was where he went back in time and made all amplifiers louder and then came <laughs> back and, and it was so loud that everyone died. Like that's what that's kind of what the movie is. That's kind of what that training montage uh-huh. is, where like they're like, oh, they don't like these steps. Well, now you can do the steps, basa doble, and you're like, holy shit, <laughs> you are fundamentally well, misunderstanding the problem here. No, I mean like also they have him doing a lot of like slides and kind of flips and stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's he, more flourish that but... he sort of abandons in favor of this much more traditional style. Yeah. Um. I mean, there's a little bit of it i guess because he does kind of slide out onto the floor it's but... fucking dope yeah it is he slides like i don't know like 20 yards on his knees backwards yeah like well, it's so, so good so also um i don't know if you read this but paul mercurio was a ballet dancer yes. not a ballroom dancer so so he comes from a dance background but it's fundamentally different than ballroom dancing he went to like a training program to prepare for this role but that's why he has such a varied style compared to other ballroom dancers in here is that he's got other chops sure as well. and that i mean that makes sense yeah. and he's very light on his feet yeah like oh yeah you have to be able to like you yeah. know do those like big leaps yeah and exactly stuff, so and like that all shows yeah. he definitely does in this yeah totally um yeah i don't know we're uh kind of skipped around a bit. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean like I mean, that's what, I mean, yeah, no, we you pretty get, much covered it, yeah. and then it builds to the, what is it, the Grand Prix? The International... Okay. It's the Pan Pacific Grand Prix. Got it. But yeah, we have, like, three main dance things. The South District Warrant Championships is the very first one, which he loses uh-huh. to uh, Ken. And then, yeah, Liz dumps him and stuff. And then, I don't know what this was called, but, like, there was, like, Tina's, like, Tina Sparkle's last dance with her it almost seemed like a mixer kind of i don't think it was actually a competition yeah unclear um but so that's when yeah they they find out that like you know his again all this shit has the vibe of like oh it's friday night this is what we do 
Yeah. Like, we just go to the town hall and we do ballroom dancing. Well, so, it also reminded me of, um... Like, even the Grand Prix, like, yeah. feels like that. Yeah, right? it reminded me of the Saturday Night Fever and how, for something that's just a hobby, they're renting out rooms in a dance studio yeah, and yeah. practicing their moves so that they're ready for the weekend, which right. is, you know, a lot. But I guess if, you know, you're into it, you're into it. Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of, yeah, how this almost felt a little bit was, you know, a lot of preparation for these like relatively small events i guess yeah but yeah no i just mean like the okay comparatively mm-hmm. again going to christopher guest because that is my main like yeah cultural touchstone for faux documentaries mm-hmm. besides spinal tap which i feel doesn't really translate to this yeah. like spinal tap i don't think is as like relatable mm-hmm. in scope and things sure uh but like best in show is yeah. Like Best in Show, when they're showing you the different levels of like dog show appearances and stuff, you get the hierarchy. Like, you know, yeah. when somebody's like, oh, you know, we're going to win this weekend and then hopefully on to the nationals or whatever. And it's at like a state fair. Mm-hmm. They show you it's a state fair. You get the idea, like, okay, this is like a qualifying thing. It's, again, it's it matters to them. It's serious to them in this world. But on the grand scale of things, it's a goofy, weird hobby. Yeah. Right. And then when, you know, they get to, oh, by the way, also best in show, the the big dog show, the big thing held in Philadelphia. Yeah. Just want to point that out. As far I keep track of films that reference Philadelphia. That is one. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. But like you get this is the big deal. It's not quite the like Westminster dog show level, but it's not far off. It's yeah. a whole they rented out a whole convention center. There's a whole lot of, you know, pump and circumstance kind of there's reporters and there's you know prep areas and stuff you see all the backstage nonsense whereas in this in strictly ballroom everything basically looks the same yeah except for the grand prix at the end be- and only because there are there's a table on stage with judges at it yeah in and that there really wasn't in the other ones and that's kind of it like it's dressed set dressed basically all the same lit the same yeah everything feels the same so yeah when you mentioned oh well, you get spotlights in the finale as well sure yeah but like i'm just but, saying like yeah. but 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 the spotlight isn't like oh there was ne- there's never been spotlights before i don't i think there were earlier like it didn't feel like yeah. oh this is a grand you know this is the next tier up it just felt like it's the same thing but we call this one the you know mm-hmm. the grand pre- it's like okay we make a lot of wrestling references on this show it's like uh whatever when aw did the beach jam or whatever yeah and it's like what what about this is a beach jam? Like, they just were like, oh, we just decided to call it that to make it feel different. Yeah. You cut one promo by some water. Yes, they and, made they made fucking and was... Hobbs and, like, Ricky Starks and yeah. Tony Schiavone stand by a cold-ass lake in January, like, yep. and be like, yeah, it's the beach bash or whatever the fuck, the beach brawl. And I was like, this is insane. Although, Hobbs looked good. He had that fur jacket. Yeah. He, again, I think I said this. He looked like the bad guy in a Punisher movie, and now that's all I want. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just like, oh, this doesn't really have any particular stakes or relevance to beaches of any sort. Like, they might as well have wrestled, and instead of giving away belts, uh, they should have all gotten copies of Beaches on DVD. Like, that would have made <laughs> just as much sense. That's the beach brawl or whatever. I, could, I can't ever remember what the... Uh, is that the verb to be? Like beach bash is, or beach brawl? Like is that the verb to be brawl? What part of? What part of speech is the second word in that 
Oh. I mean, that's I mean that's either a verb or a noun, depending on like whether or not you're... Yeah, I thought there was some kind of weird qualifier where... If it, it doesn't matter. But okay. I could never remember what the second word was, so I just kept referring to it as the beach thing. A-W beach thing. And I think that's better branding, because it is more memorable. Uh-huh. Because, like, Bash at the Beach is a WWE thing, so they couldn't call it Beach Bash, but that's where my brain goes. I'm like, oh, Beach Bash. I'm like, no, you know that's not right. So I'm like, is it Brawl? I think it's alliterative, so is it, like, Beach Bust Up? Like, what is it? <laughs> And I was like, just call it beach thing. Just like, it's AEW's beach thing. We're doing a beach thing this week. Like, hire me. Hire me, AEW. I have ideas. <laughs> and they're good. They're okay. <laughs> they're fine. <laughs> they're not the worst ones. No, no. You've had worse <laughs> ideas. I've been watching. There were worse ideas. Yeah. But also, then I would get to hang out with Britt Baker. And maybe, maybe she would like to do my teeth good. Because they bad. Mm-hmm. They're not good. Yeah. And she could do him good. Mm-hmm. I, what the hell? Oh, so anyway. Yeah, the, 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 the tier, the structuring of like, which of the, like, again, it just, it all looks and feels kind of the same from a viewer's standpoint. Yeah. Um, can we also talk just a little bit about the fashion? <laughs> hmm. Let's. Um, so, Boz Lerman is known for extravagant set and costume dressing. Like, yeah. You know, and people have very specific looks and stuff. Yeah, this in this, less... it's more native because right. you're doing so much ballroom dancing. There's yeah. a lot of these like fabulous gowns, fancy suits, and whatever. And then when they're not there, it is very but like quote quote unquote boring. It's very yeah. like normal clothes. Although then that's when he plays more with the set because yeah. uh, during like uh, Fran and uh, Scott. Scott's whole like you know the Coke sign. Yeah, they're they're dancing out on the roof and stuff in front of like a Coke billboard that's all like, you know sequence. Yeah. It's like wild. And I was yeah. like, I don't know if this is a It gave me almost like West Side Story vibes. It's so it's the roof of the dance studio yeah. building. Um, yeah. and they just they're just out they're there because it's scenic. To, yeah, it's scenic and then I think also because it's letting them be more secretive too. Yes. To not be in the building. In the building, right. Yeah. But they're in front of this Coke billboard, Coca-Cola, and it's all covered in sequins and it's like amazing looking. Yeah. And I, I honestly, I was like, I don't even want to know if this is like, this was a real billboard or, you know, like, Oh, this was an ad campaign in Australia. Like for some yeah. reason they made it. Or if that was a Boz Lerman flourish. Cause again, it was a stage show. Yeah. So theoretically that is something that could have been carried over from the stage show. Mm-hmm. But I, then if that's the case, what is that saying? Like, why is it a Coke billboard? Is it just for the, drama of that logo you know because it's a very like swooshy movementy logo you know? yeah maybe classic coke logo with a big white like swoop going through the yeah. le- you know like and then adding the sequence to it and it's outside the wind is hitting it it's, it's you know blowing around so it, it's in motion it's very again yeah. very dramatic visually yeah but then i was like but why a coke billboard mm. like it's just i don't know i don't know i don't know from the 1992 Australian perspective, what is Coca-Cola, you know? Yeah. I mean, it might also be, like, because it's red. Mm-hmm. Because we do have, you know, like, a, a lot the of... The color of passion. Yeah. Well, because, like, that's, you know, what Fran's dress is at the end of the film and everything. Fran and... Drescher. No. Speaking of Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. Right, yeah. She's in that. Um... <laughs> But oh uh, yeah, her her dress is red. Uh, yeah. There's like some touches of red during like the Paso Doble sequences, you know. Yeah, none so. of it ever. 
it felt more like when um, Shyamalan does the red in The Sixth Sense, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, where you don't notice it until it's pointed out if that was an intentional thing, like an intentional through line. Well, he also... Because it feels it feels more yeah. native to like the setting, to the, the, the scene, whatever. It, whereas I feel like, again, later Lerman, if he wanted to be like, oh, red is going to be the through line for this story of like their, you know, whatever... Mm-hmm. then everything would be red. Like, you know, all the adornment would be red. Like, yeah, you know, but she'd he... have like red fingernails, red sunglasses. Like it would be yeah. everywhere. Omnipresent because he likes to really like make a theme big and flashy mm-hmm. like that. So again, I, and it, I don't know how much of this is like he hadn't yet, uh, you know, fully gotten into that mode versus... Well, I mean, he also, just didn't have the budget or time to do all these details. Like part of this too is that like a lot of the couples have signature colors that yeah. they reuse. Yeah, there's one couple who has Joker colors. Yeah, but so I mean, like, and and they also reuse numbers. So like, um, Scott and uh, Liz, Liz or are one hundred or one hundred and are yellow. Uh, yeah. Ken and Pam, and then later when she's dancing with him, Liz are in white and are number sixty nine. And nice. so. Or I think it's, like, white and purple or whatever. Yeah, but those like, are yeah. accent colors, but primarily yeah. white. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, that might also be, like, a signature thing. And so you do see a lot of, like, yeah, color identifiers. And so at the end of the film, you know, because it's uh, Scott and Fran and they're doing something completely different, they're off on, you know, their own color scheme. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. That's a you... fair read, but it didn't... I didn't pick up on it in the watch. Sure. So... Yeah. I, uh, you know, that's... Yeah. Well, because, yeah, like, red's not very commonly used in this movie at all, except for... Yeah, that's like, kind of true. Yeah. Uh, that, and then the hairstyles are oh, yeah. wild, especially because... And I don't know if this is, like, a thing, but, like, <laughs> multiple people, but especially Liz, have their bangs, like, gelled up in swooshes that are, like, almost like a, a you know, like a, a dinner plate stuck to your forehead or something. And have like. Are you not going to make the reference that you made while we were watching? Oh, yeah. Like, there's something about Mary. (laughs) Yeah, they've they've all got, as we say in the business, jizz hair. Yeah, and and then also there's a bunch of little rhinestones stuck to it. Mm Mm-hmm. Like Liz has like rhinestones like glued to the side of her face. Yeah, and up into the hair. Well, and and Tina has Tina Sparkle has uh, rhinestones up her cheekbones as well. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking. I think there's less in her hair, but no, I mean like yeah, there's a lot of. I th- yeah, Liz has some, um, you know, like a, a, a rhinestoning. Okay. Uh, definitely in her hair. I think sometimes it's on her face, sometimes not. I think that was more of a, a variable. But yeah, just, you know, and and that's the the style. And, as was the know? style at the time. I had yeah. an onion on my belt and I glued a bunch of rhinestones to my yeah. face, as was the style at the time. Hold yeah. on a second, I'm going uh, to finish my coffee. Yeah, but like, I don't know. I think it looks bonkers and I don't know why you would do that. <laughs> For the it's, drama, baby. Yeah, but it's it's so like unnatural and weird to have your bangs gelled up that high. Okay, but <laughs> by comparison, it is natural to move in these fashions. Fair like that's right. what I'm saying. Like it's yeah. It, it's, she's not yeah, going to the sure. store. I know. I know. This is for her dramatic ass. Yeah. Fuck. That's like watching ice dancing and being like, "Why would you wear such a short jacket?" <laughs> it's like, well, it's not. Yeah, this is an everyday right. fashion. Sure. But yeah. yeah, like, I mean, again, every everyone but Ric Flair aside, you know, like, yeah. 
It's like Ric Flair does dress like this every day. Yeah. <laughs> Those yeah, robes I mean, were his going to the store for cigarettes robes. And yeah, I mean, if you've ever seen Dancing with the Stars and the costumes that they have, because sure. that's, you know. Yeah. I believe this, the popularity of this movie is what launched a lot of that. Dancing had a big moment in the, like, 90s and then, like, never fully went away. It wasn't always as popular, but there were a lot of, like, yeah, dance, you know, like, dance movies well, we've covered. as uh, We were sort of talking about this off air. This is now our third dance movie, correct? I can remember them less well now that we're... <laughs> recording uh yeah so we did uh saturday night fever and flash dance and we did flash dance and then i mean like you know there's dancing in some other things but not to this level so what uh there's dancing in what like moulin rouge has some dance sequences oh sure and sure, stuff, sure yeah, yeah and uh incidental dancing yeah. but not like it's not a dance movie it's not a movie right. about dancing right yeah the way the other two are flash right. dance and saturday night fever right. fever yeah. definitely are the octagon has that weird square dancing scene that is true <laughs> not a dance like, movie stuff like that arguably weirdly barely a karate movie yeah yep and go back to episode one if you dare yeah it is rough mm-hmm. it's not bad Mm-hmm. It's just the audio. We hadn't. This is the first time recording a podcast, so we didn't know how things would sound and what was a good setup for microphones. Mm-hmm. So, and also my editing was not uh, like where it's at now, so I didn't know how to like do stuff to room noise. Yeah. So there's some like we're sitting on the bed. There's some squeaky bed. Uh, you know, whatever. It's a good episode though. Yeah, you can see how far we've. You can hear how far we've come. Just like in our Boz Lerman miniseries, Loving with Lerman. Yeah, bat-eared listeners will hear how far we've come. Bat-eared listeners, that's right. <laughs> that's a thing I haven't said in a minute. That's true. Bring that back. <sighs> yeah, right. We should sell like bat ears, like headbands <laughs> with bat ears on them. Say, hey, watch, great watch. Uh, sure. That'll be our merch. Sure. They should light up, right? Because then when we sell out arenas, we'll just look out and it'll be like the Bray Wyatt fireflies. So there's just all these little blinky lights out there <laughs> from our bat-eared listeners. Oh, boy. We do reference wrestling a lot. Yeah. It's almost like we should start a wrestling podcast. Uh-huh. Interesting idea. Yep. Anyway, um, do we want to just get to the finale? I mean... Sure. Okay. So... The big climactic, uh, you know, thing at the end. Again, all this sort of happens all together. Um, well, so... We learn the real backstory. Yeah. You know, of like, oh, that it was it was less and your mom. They were dancing, Scott, not me and your mom. Also, I mean, earlier I made a comment that like, you know, you were like, oh, I think his last name is Hastings. And I was like, well, there's only one Scott. We're not going to have to differentiate by last name. Mm-hmm. But they did... You know, there's a character named Liz and a character named Les, and they have Australian accents, so those two things sound very similar. Yeah. And I was like, interesting choices. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it was Les. Which who? Which one was that? Who did that <laughs> one? Um, so it turns out Barry. So we haven't really talked about Barry. But Barry's a dick. Um, did I write down who played Barry? I did uh, not. Barry Fife, played by Bill Hunter. Oh, check that out. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been in he's, some stuff. Yeah, he's a dick. Yeah, he's the he's the, the grand poobah of the dance society or whatever you know whatever the, the this world is called, and he's like the head judge for the grand prix, and all that, and he has already decided that Ken and Liz are going to win 
uh, the Grand Prix. So it doesn't even matter. No, it's Ken and uh, Tina, right? Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's the thing I sh- forgot to mention. Okay. Right. So, um, yeah, Liz, you know. Yeah. Well, ha- so when uh, Scott doesn't want to dance with, with Tina, Tina right. then Ken swoops in to partner with Tina and dumps Liz. Right. And Liz wants to then dance with Scott again. Yeah. Um, and there's a big back and forth because, you know, again, like Scott's mom is trying to get him to right, just go out there partner. and do the yeah. normal steps. Right. Don't do your steps. Dance yeah. with Liz. You'll you'll win. They don't know that Barry's rigged it. Uh, Fran's feelings are hurt. He only wants to dance with Fran because she wants to dance, you know, the, the, his steps with him. Well, and, and then also at this point, they're kind of in love. Oh, definitely. <laughs> he has yeah, a there's... whole confrontation. So early on, he tells her, like, you know, when we dance the whatever dance the tango no the flam flamenco the blambo doesn't matter but he's like yeah. we have to pretend like we're in love but it's just an act and she's like oh yeah mm-hmm, sure definitely just an act um <laughs> obviously very much in love with him and when he realizes like i think i love her then he you know he confronts her uh you know he's like hey uh so remember what i said when we were talking about the blambo <laughs> well i've had a realization i i think i really love you and they're about to kiss he's like i have to go (laughs) he's like oh i have to go do a thing now i'm like you guys are stupid anyway Mm -hmm. i promised i would help there's a running gag with like another guy from the studio uh the dance studio is working on his like go go pogo dance or something yeah throughout the whole movie and they just keep being like the go go pogo (laughs) it's such a goofy thing i thought it was also something that was in like barry fife's dance tapes or whatever maybe yeah but it's just kind of a running gag of, like, he's got this crazy, you know, far-fetched idea of doing this crazy dance. Yeah. He's like, I told him I'd go help him. Anyway. So, mm-hmm. he's like, oh, I forgot. I can't stay here and kiss you after admitting that, uh, you know, I love you. But, because I got to go work on this goof dance. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, good job, Scott. Because we're hanging out in the blue, blue sunset behind a chain link fence. <laughs> yeah. It's a <laughs> metaphor. Where it's all silhouettes. And... Yeah. It's I maybe mean, a you metaphor. know. It's actually, that's a very nice shot. It is. Um, Because it's like from far away uh, and there's like some trees and he's shooting from between these two trees. So it's like framed nicely. And yeah, it's just a good, there's, and this is not a dig on Baz Luhrmann because I just think it's a, it's a uh, factor of budget and time. But like, there's not as much really nicely staged cinematography. No, there's that. There's the train going by. Which is uh, a metaphor for his erection. That was your joke. Yeah. That's your joke. <laughs> Can't take credit or blame for that one. That's yours. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Scott. Yeah, it's the it's the yeah pasta double thing where like Scott shows up at like I guess a party at Fran's house or yeah. whatever to you know make amends with her I guess yeah. or something and. You know, they're like, oh, yeah, you're the dance boy. We heard about you. Dance boy, dance. And they're like, nope, you're fucking it up. Here's how you do it. <laughs> yeah. And then she dances like, or he dances yeah. with her like, is there a dad? E, maybe. Who kind of, he kind of looks like, uh, you know, if Bob Dylan was a Hispanic bullfighter. Yeah. Yep. And they're on It's a like, great, it's a great like. Yeah, they're on like a plank patio. So yeah. the stomping's really like dramatic you know, yeah. yeah it's 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 a cool sequence it's yeah. very fun yeah and then uh yeah and yeah they're doing a lot of like tight camera work on the footwork yes yeah to yeah. show you like yeah. the, to show showcase the speed yeah. and dexterity of it yep and then a train goes by and apparently that was a very expensive shot to do oh really <laughs> yeah is that in the, yeah. the imdba 
the the IMDb trivias. Um, yeah, because it's dangerous to work with actual fucking trains. So it's true. They yeah it makes had sense. to you know. So yeah, apparently it was a little expensive to get that shot. But, cool. Yeah, but it was nice. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, there's some really. I mean, like there is some some good visual moments in this, but yeah. again, I think a lot of your budget was spent on like securing certain locations, maybe building that crazy billboard and then like all these costumes. Yeah. Well, and, and then also uh Fran's house was built. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was uh they they built an addition onto this other building to oh, be entirely yeah. a constructed area. Yeah, and apparently it was so convincing that uh a health inspector came in <laughs> to uh check their like food service licenses or whatever because it was like you know a little dinette style <laughs> that's thing. funny and they're like no, no no it's it's not real we don't it's actually... a movie set yeah <laughs> that's fun yeah i mean that's that's also what happened at uh the next mover drive oh where they built that gas station oh that's right and yeah. truckers were kept trying to in. yeah tried to come in to refuel and they're like we don't actually have any gas <laughs> And they were like, God damn it, Stephen King's out here doing a prank show. Yeah, right. Pulled in to get gas, he comes out, and he's all like, sorry, fella. I mean, apparently he was super coked out the entire time, so it was probably twice the Allegedly. speed. Allegedly. <laughs> he said so. I know. <laughs> Who are you going to believe? <laughs> yeah, Back at so. the Grand Prix. Yeah, so. <laughs> Scott and Fran reunite. They cut a rug. They've already been disqualified. Yeah, um, uh, and they just fucking go yeah, out and dance for the hell of it. And there yeah. are a ton of cartoon well, so, swooshy sound effects. So Barry's trying very hard to like shut it down. And everybody else in the movie is like getting in his way. Yeah, because like, they kept saying throughout the whole movie, they're like, his dance moves are very crowd pleasing, but they are illegal. And yeah. so like when he's doing them, the whole crowd's like, this fucking rules. I'm pleased. Like, yeah. And so, yeah, Barry's, like, trying to uh, get to, or no, no, I think he's trying to get to a mic to disqualify them. And There's some business with they, unplugging yeah, the sound system that. and plugging it back in and um, unplugging it. There's some kids to, that one of them's maybe uh, Scott's younger sibling. I don't know. Yeah. Or, or maybe it's just that they're kids in the dance studio that yeah. the mom's always making yeah. costumes for. Yeah. yeah. One of the roving, many roving gangs of dance children. Yeah. But so. Australia's known for. But so the, the, the kids see that, like, he's going to go shut off the music, so they run into the sound booth and lock it behind themselves. Yeah. Um, and so then Barry eventually pulls the plug on everything and then gets to a mic and disqualifies Fran and Scott. Scott's dad starts what I thought was going to be a slow clap, but really he's keeping time for them, yeah. like, rhythmically. Right. And everybody gets in on it. Yeah. And so then, you know, Scott and Fran resume dancing, and then they get the music back on. Yep, and everybody loves it. And the movie ends without either awarding anyone the Grand Prix award. Yeah. Or addressing Barry's obvious rigging of the proceedings. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah, because they overhear him basically saying, like, you know... I think he was telling Tina Sparkle, like, you know, oh, don't worry, it's it's your year anyway, even if Ken's too drunk to fucking come out or whatever the hell the issue was. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, like, that's the thing is, like, you need one of the, I mean, like, I'm not saying Scott and Fran should win because that the movie totally still works just yeah. as well if they don't win, but everybody loves it. Yeah. And, you know, you don't even, I mean, you don't need a postscript, but, like, if you got a postscript where, like, now... Scott and Fran are teaching a second class at Les's dance studio. 
where Les is teaching like the fundamentals and then Scott and Fran are teaching like an advanced class of like, here's all the fancy, you know, Latin footwork. Like that would work totally fine, yeah. right? You don't need it, but that would be fine. But you definitely need them to be like, well, Barry, you, you fired, mate. Like you need to fucking boot his ass. Yeah. Or something needs to happen. Or we need to find out something where they're like, oh, well, guess what? We're taking away all medals or belts or whatever crowns that Barry has awarded during his tenure as chairman. I don't know what the title is. Uh-huh. But, you know, like you need something where you're like, okay, cool. This had some effect. Because otherwise, literally, they just practiced to go to this dance. And that's it. Like they just went there. They well, just were at it. So. But they could have had the same effect. If they had just gone to any of the apparently Saturday night dances they always have where everybody's always there anyway, watching the ballroom dance. So I, I would agree that it doesn't fit the, like, you know, writing thing of having a conclusion. <laughs> it, I'm it, sorry, do you refer to that as a writing thing? Well, you know. It didn't have what we like to call in the writing business an ending. <laughs> you know. But a narrative I, but, end. But I think Boz's point is that, like, none of that matters because he's, you know, everybody's out there living their truth and being accepted by, you know, sure. the world at large rather than some sure. stuffy organization. But then, but then we need to see uh, yeah. some some semblance of that. Well, like, then you need to cut well, to the roving every... gangs of dance children being like, hey, we should do these fast paced dances, too. And then doing some flamenco shit but, or whatever. No, I mean, everybody comes out on the dance floor. Like, all the audience comes yeah. out and Scott's parents come out and they're dancing yes. together. And so that's... Right, everybody that's likes the... it, but that's not news or a revelation. They didn't change hearts and minds. It's not like people hated it beforehand. They literally constantly refer to his steps as crowd-pleasing I, but illegal. Yeah, yeah. So at the end of the movie, they're still crowd-pleasing and they're still illegal. So nothing has changed. He what? never has a crisis of faith. But he never learns how to do a different thing or to make anything change to what he wants. He just learns how to do it harder, better, faster, stronger. But you've bridged the like disconnect between the microcosm of the, you know, official dance and the common people. Well, I would argue <laughs> there are no common people there. They're all dance aficionados that only come to these things. Well, okay. But they're at every scene. But, you know, yeah, it's, 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 now it's everybody dances. Well, it, it's but, not, okay, it's, so if you want to drive home you know, that there is now no longer the division between the hierarchy and the fans or whatever, then you really need to see Barry be dealt with. But yeah, we don't. You need to have, you know, fucking uh, Scott's dad get on the microphone and be like, you know, Barry's been ousted. Uh, we're now going to have an, you know, we, we just invented it. Audience favorite award. And it's going to go to my son, Scott or whatever. Like that's all. Then that's what you need. Or there's another, there's another girl um, who's on the board who is like Barry's right hand woman. And they sort of have a falling out. I have to look up her name. I'm sorry. Um, Was it uh, Chris McQuaid as Charm Leachman? Yes. Yes. Chris McQuaid, Charm Leachman. She, you know, they kind of have a falling out at the end. She should have been like that. That should have been her thing. She should have come out and been like, Barry's gone. He's done. We're, you know, uh-huh. we're whatever. We're done with him. Uh, he's been rigging the things. We're taking away all the championships awarded during his tenure. I'm now the head of Australian Dance Academy of the of the stuff. And now we've, we've instituted, starting this year, there will be an audience favorite award. Uh, and this year we'd like to award it to Scott. 
and Fran, everybody claps, the end. And then they hand him a koala or whatever. And then, like, <laughs> that's then that's a movie that, like, has an ending that feels like anything mattered. Because otherwise it was just, like, they did a very good dance and everyone liked it, but they could have literally done that anywhere. Yeah. Because the dance was good and people like it all the time. Yeah. At no point was anyone unsure whether they liked it or not. So that's all. I just, like, I felt like, I was like, that's the end? I was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's my that's my quibble. That's yeah. my quibble that's not well, a stylistic thing. And and like like I, I said, mentioned my few stylistic quibbles, which again I attribute to budget and time. Yeah. But no, I mean, you know, like writing a script and making a story and everything like that, yeah, you want to tie up your loose ends. You do. That's how you know the story is done. Right. Again, I think what was actually being gone for here was that it doesn't matter what happens to Barry or what happens to any of the official dance nonsense because they're out there living their truth. I guess, man. I guess, it feels unsatisfying. All right. It's very. I mean, you know. Again, I don't. Again, they yeah. don't need to win, but I need to feel like the thing had a point. Yeah. Because again, at no point does Scott have a crisis of faith. No. He never at any point doubts that he should be dancing his fancy pants dance. In fact, like I said, it seems like he is unable not to do it. Right. So I. It's not like he. He's not. The only thing that's different is now they are in love. And to be honest, I don't care about that. <laughs> I don't care whether Scott finds love because up until I started watching this movie, I did not know Scott. Yeah. I don't wake up every day and hope that people I don't know find love because why would I waste my time? <laughs> I could just as easily wake up if that mattered to me and go, I'm sure they did. <laughs> and then I feel good. And I'm not wondering or worrying about shit when I got stuff to do. So I don't care that Scott and Fran fell in love and that she is 99.9% .9 better looking now because of love hormones or whatever that cleared her skin up and made her hair less frizzy and made her eyesight better. <laughs> or whatever. Um, yeah, I just like, I was like, okay, they're in love. Great. Sure. But the thing, it's not a, it's not a movie called Strictly Love. Yeah. It's strictly fucking ballroom. It's about the dancing and nothing happens with the dancing. It's the same at the beginning as it is at the end. Yeah, except then everybody's dancing. <laughs> like in a literal sense, yes, yeah. everyone is literally dancing. But it, since it's not a documentary, uh -huh. it's not eight hours long. It's not Zack Snyder's Strictly Ballroom. So we didn't see whether or not everybody started dancing at the end of any of the other ballroom competitions or the beginning. Maybe they start with, hey, everybody free dance. Let's all warm up. I don't know. I've never been to one. I tell you, my uh, <laughs> my dad was going to uh, ballroom lessons uh, no. with. Yeah, he was he was uh, you know dating some somebody, and that was like the thing that they were doing. That's cool. Except that he apparently has no rhythm, and she got very pissed off because she thought that he was doing it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that. <laughs> That would be <laughs> that just would be a like thing that you would do. a savage, <laughs> savage prank to play. <laughs> to go to a ballroom <laughs> dancing class and just fucking tank it. Yeah. Well. Like just job out. <laughs> uh, yep. Holy shit. Yeah. 
But that no, would be great. It, it wasn't on purpose. He's just bad. That's like, if you go on like a bad Tinder date, <laughs> you go to like a bad dinner and you're like, boy, this guy is really into crypto and I do not like it. <laughs> Invite him be like, hey, I would like to have a second date, but like, I want to do something I want to do and I want to take a ballroom dancing class and then fucking go embarrass his ass by being the worst fucking dancer ever. <laughs> Like, do it until he storms out and then just turn turn to the rest of the class and be like, this is all goof. He's tired. He thinks crypto is a good idea. All his apes are gone. And <laughs> now I'm gone, too. I can actually dance better than this. Uh, but thank you for your participation, your passive participation in my revenge prank. I am vengeance. I am the knight. And then you leave. There's a camera there. And there's a camera, <laughs> camera there. there. It's points of cameras that aren't there. And then... <laughs> Thanks very much for coming to my show. What's a good, what's a good dance prank show name? Oh, I was just gonna do all my dates gone. Paza duped. Oh yeah. <laughs> all my dates gone. Yeah, that's pretty good oh, too. Ah, uh, but yeah, I kind of wanted to take dance because I was in high school when swing came back, and I was like, ooh, that would be cool to do, and then you know, never, never did it, and then that fad. Every died. day you. Used- protested outside the principal's office and like we want the squirrel nut zippers <laughs> big van voodoo daddy or bust yeah i have no third one <laughs> yeah it wasn't a deep bench um i think there was more i just uh, it's been so long <laughs> to be honest with you squirrel nut zippers fucking rule yeah i don't know about their whole catalog but that album mm-hmm. uh is like very good yeah I forget what it was cool. called, but it was packaged like firecrackers. Neat. Um, yeah, it was like a f- gatefold CD. Yeah. With like the claw, uh, not cloth, the, the cardboard like thing, mm-hmm. but it looked like a package of firecrackers. It was good. Yeah. Good, good record. Big bad voodoo daddy. I, <laughs> I will not go to bat for. I do not. <laughs> I will not back up big bad voodoo daddy because I don't know. But um, yeah. Oh, Brian Setzer Orchestra. There you go. Oh, good there job. Go. That's three. I'm done. Thanks, everybody. I've been Hunter Bush. You've been a great crowd. <laughs> Tip your waitress. I'm out of here. Oh, I have to finish it because you're gone? Okay. I left. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for uh, listening to another Hate Watch Great Watch. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, you can email us at... Right- we didn't hate- vote. Oh, we didn't vote. I guess I'll come back. <laughs> I'm back. Yeah, I felt like I was missing something. <laughs> Just doing this weird bit. Okay. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so Hunter, what'd you think of Strictly Ballroom? Um, I would say it's a very, very, very strong watch to a low great watch. <laughs> I can't believe that we took our <laughs> either or scale and now there's gradients. <laughs> Oh, I'm just giving you. I, I'm. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure. It's. It's probably a. It's a very low great watch. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's really. It has these early fingerprints. Um, from a, a, a really talented and creative director that aren't quite fully realized. And as I've said a hundred times, drink every time on this episode that I have said this. But like, I think it's all budget and time. Um you know, as to why it's not as fully realized as it would have been had he made it three, four years later. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's there uh, in a rudimentary form. And the story, while ultimately unsatisfying to me, isn't bad. It's a lot of fun. And 
you know, it's just a little messy. So that's why it's not like, oh, a strong great watch or anything. It's just, it's the, it's the lowest great watch, but I think it's very good. Um, and if, especially, you know, I think watching early films from filmmakers you like are instructional. Um, yeah. interest, I mean, at the very least they're conceptually interesting to see like, oh, this is where, this is the genesis of this person, you know, like whether or not that's technically true. Because some people do short films, music videos, commercials, like whatever, before they start making films but like you get to see like yeah their first steps into a new medium and that's interesting yeah um so i mean yeah. also frequently happens if people are younger so even if they're less uh technically adept there is more of that like you know passion and you know verve yeah and you know like um like the whenever people compare early and late stephen king novels it's you know yeah. usually like you know less technical acuity but like his early stuff definitely has like a lot more like visceral horror yeah. to it you know i like the cohen brothers and everything yeah. and i really like their early film strictly no. blood simple yeah blood simple yes like blood simple a lot because you can see some of the same inklings that you get more fully fleshed out and stuff like fargo but it's a lot more brutal in a in a in a very like yeah youthful and raw way that their later films kind of lose because like you know as you get older and everything you're, yeah you start you're... to suck <laughs> you you don't necessarily you become have... a lame yeah no i mean it's it's harder to summon that it's yeah, hard to make a good movie passion. when you're in bed by 5 p.m <laughs> sure <laughs> but yeah no, you I go mean... to the diner at three and you get the early bird and then you're tummy tired and then you go home but you know what i'm saying though we're like i'm know... not making fun of the coens i'm making fun of old people of which i think a lot of people now would consider me which is fine yeah. You're wrong. I'm young at heart. But yeah, you got what I'm trying to say, though. Yeah, the, the Coens is a, a little bit different because they have such a varied tone, you know. Yeah. They do straight comedy. They do, you know, noir things. They mm -hmm. do both. They do, you know, like they're kind of all across the board. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, there's definitely elements of like very specifically Cohen moments and uh, things in it. Yeah. In Blood Simple. Yeah. Yeah. That are done more adeptly in later pieces, but without necessarily as much of that, like, raw intensity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, yeah, I think that's, you know, something that you can see in a lot of artists. Their early work is, yeah, usually more earnest, but less polished. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I would call this a great watch. I had a good time. Um, yeah. You know, it's not a perfect movie, but... Uh, it's it's fun and yeah it's it's less like because we we discussed last episode about like some of like the the tropes appearing in Boz Lerman's work and yeah. this has less of them because he's still sort of finding his style yeah I mean obviously yeah. it does have love love is a big yeah. resonant mm -hmm. factor for Boz Lerman yeah um, big these big emotional you know through lines mm -hmm. um, and it does have that like theater uh drama to it yeah that he obviously you know well this was originally a stage play like mm -hmm. it and should, i mean it's he, no he himself surprise. has a dance background yeah which is where the inspiration for this kind of came yeah and like all, all that is here yeah um yeah it's just like you said it's it's a little unpolished but um yeah no that's uh, yeah. yeah i agree yeah so if you'd like to email us you can do so at Right, hate watch great watch that's w-r-i-t-e-h-w-g-w -W at gmail.com you can follow us on twitter and instagram at h-w-g-w podcast on both those platforms you can get us every other wednesday that's every, every other, other wednesday. wednesday 
on the Movie John Podcast Network and anywhere you get podcasts. And please support the Movie John Patreon at patreon.com slash moviejawnjohn uh, for a lot of good, fun stuff there. Allison, thanks for doing this. Oh, of course. Thanks for doing this whole Baz Luhrmann, baz sense. Yeah. It was fun. Because, um, I mean, we haven't, we definitely haven't gone through a whole director on the podcast. And no. even between the two of us, we've done a few, but not many. I mean, some people yeah. it's hard to do, but like. Yes. But yeah, so this was a cool experience as far as like really like seeing somebody develop yeah, and, we're, and we didn't just checklist it and like, oh, we finally watched all. Like, we watched them all. We've watched them all. It's now the beginning of March as we're recording this. And we watched them all since... End of I, January? No, I believe New Year's Day, I think, or New Year's Eve or something. We watched oh. Romeo and Juliet like, oh. right near the end of uh, 2021. Oh, okay. So within three months, we've seen yeah. all... That was Like, two months, really. We've seen yeah. all of his films. Yeah. So it's all very still fresh. Yeah. Which is, yeah, I mean, like, again, like, we're making our way through, like, the Universal Monsters box set, but mm-hmm. we technically started that, like, a year and a half ago or yeah, something. That's, like, yeah, we've we, been we slow did, on that. Yeah, we did, we did like, one a week for a month, and then we did, like, two more in a year or something yeah. stupid, because we fell off. But this was a lot, um, yeah, a lot more interesting. I think the only thing kind of like this that we've done personally was we watched, like, all the Saw movies... Uh, like watched, in relatively small and like all the Chucky. We watched all the Tarzan Singh movies because you did an article, did an article on him yeah. for Movie John. Um, like what, like three years ago, four years ago? Three, four years ago. Yeah, which I mean, he's one of my favorite directors. Yeah. I had a very good time with that. But yeah, we don't. Yeah, we don't get up to this uh, so much in our private lives, or definitely not on the podcast before now. But like I said, we might do this for the show. Yeah. Like again, but I think we should stick to this format and do everything and then end with the first film okay it's kind of interesting yeah and it's legally distinct from blank check <laughs> which is a podcast i love and in no way intended to steal a gimmick from it's like i said just sort of happened but yeah so yeah and it was also really funny that like yeah we happened you and i to pick the second and third films and do them in chronological and, order and, yeah and then it just happens at the I fourth. Mean, yeah. Now that part wasn't. This an sounds accident, like a. You, this you sounds were, like a. You bit were like, now. which one do you want to do first? And I was like, well, let's just go in chronological order. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so you know, but that was. But more... I didn't. We didn't know. I did, wasn't yeah. really aware that it was his second and third, like that they right. were. Yeah. Uh, you know, back to back like yeah. that. Yeah. No, we specifically chose those because we had differing opinions. Right, and then it just happened that Australia was at the th- at the thrift store, and I hadn't seen it. Yeah. And I like I like I said I was like oh I didn't even I'm not even sure I realized that Gatsby was him. No, I didn't. So then know. when I saw it on the list, I was like oh and I was like it's definitely at the thrift store. Can you pick it up today? And you yeah. picked it up. And then I was like I'm ordering Strictly Baldwin. Let's do it. And that's how we ended up with this format. Yeah. Um. So happy accident. Yeah. Um. Hope this was fun. We had fun. Yeah. <laughs> if you hated this, then complain to right hate watch great watch at gmail dot com. That's we... right. We will take it under advisement. Sure. But at the end of the day, we make it a podcast. You don't make it the podcast. That's a true. <laughs> and at the end of the day, if someone's telling you there's only one way to cha-cha, or there's only one way to make a podcast, <laughs> I've just never been able to buy into that belief. Boz Lerman said that. Yeah. Mostly. Yeah. He said most of it. Yep. I added a thing. Yeah. See if you can figure out what it was. <laughs> if you can figure anyway, out what it was, right? Right in the podcast. <laughs> you will get a prize.
<laughs> He's making a face like maybe you won't. <laughs> I, I, I definitely have something I could mail you, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I definitely have something yeah. I could mail you. We got a lot you. of stupid nonsense in Yeah, there. I got a lot of crap. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks for listening. Yep. We don't have like an outro. We don't have like a sign off. We should we always just say thanks and goodbye. I don't know. Feels like we should have an outro. I, don't know. I mean, we have music. Yeah, yeah. And then you do like that little, off. Yeah. little stinger thing at the end. Yeah, I got Which I don't even know what that's going to be, but it's probably going to be something dumb that we said earlier in this podcast. That's usually what it is. It might not be what this is. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. So, you know, let's make this the stinger. Oh, my God. As long as we're riffing off Blank Check, we should rank the Boz Lermans. Our oh. personal ranking of Boz Lermans. Well, I mean, also... What is your favorite? Do you want to go least favorite to favorite, or do you want to well, go favorite to least favorite? We also did that with uh, uh, the, the Beethovens. Oh, that's true. That yeah, was yeah, just yeah. the one episode. Um, yeah, let's see. Uh, favorite... Do you want to go top down or, or bottom up? Uh, let's go top down. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't think about this, so I'm actually gonna need to take a second. Okay, I think I have my ranking. Okay. Do you have your ranking? Yes, I'm I'm ready to roll. Yeah. Am I starting? Uh, if you'd like to. Okay. Yeah, um from best to worst, I would probably say uh Gatsby, Romeo and Juliet, Strictly Ballroom, Moulin Rouge, Australia. Interesting. I was wondering how close ours were gonna be. Okay. What's um, what's yours? My ranking. Yeah. Best to worst, Romeo and Juliet, uh-huh. Gatsby, uh-huh. Australia. Really? Yeah. Okay. Strictly Ballroom, Moulin Rouge. Huh. Yes, that is my. Yeah, I mean that's you know a little close. I, I find it, you know, crazy that you, <laughs> you liked Australia that much. I th- like I said I, on the episode. I think that half of Australia is a fucking great movie that I would love to watch more of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like the second half, but the first half is great. And so, yeah, I mean, I mean I f- A, that I makes figured... it a natural middle. Yeah. All right. Because basically sure. everything before a certain point in my watch order is great. Yeah. And then after that, it varies. But um, I would say I, if I could speak about Australia in two as two distinct movies, which it is, I would definitely put Strictly Ballroom between them. <laughs> It would be the cowboy half of Australia, then Strictly Ballroom, and then the war half of Australia, and then Moulin Rouge. Yeah. And honestly, honestly, actually, Moulin Rouge might be above the war half of Australia. Yeah. It's at least more interesting, and, and I think more he visually engaging, and, and I think he accomplishes yeah. more of what he's going after better than the war half of Australia. Sure. I think that is just like messy, too messy. Yeah. Even messier than the finale to like Moulin Rouge, which is kind of a mess. Mm-hmm. But all in all, like as, just as a whole film, yeah, 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 and yeah, Gatsby really is him at the top of his game. Gatsby's great, yeah. and I think the only reason that Romeo and Juliet tipped it out for me is I have seen it so many times, and it holds such an affinity. I hold such an affinity for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very, very close. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, Gatsby is fucking dynamite. But yeah, um, you know, and as I said on the Romeo and Juliet episode, and as I'm saying again right now. I was absolutely wrong when I was younger and just hating on it. I guess to be contrarian, 
Yeah. I think that might have been where that was coming from. Yeah, kids do but, that. But yeah, I mean, because it's, it's legitimately a very fun adaptation that also just has like some, you know, acting and nuances of the text that are refreshing. Yeah. Even without all the like modern updates and stuff. So yeah, yeah really, really good. And, you know, the only reason I think uh, Gatsby edges it out for me is that Gatsby's a bit more tonally um, even. Sure, fair. And, you know, and and, and, and feels, like, very well-constructed in Cohesive. a way. Yeah, in a way that, like, Romeo and Juliet gets a little spotty in some in some areas. Yeah, fair. But, yeah. Yep. Cool. Okay. Cool. So, um, this has been uh, all of Boz Lerman. <laughs> Love and we're learning. <laughs> Yep. All right. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting something. No, I guess I'm not. I guess this is it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Bye. Yeah. Say bye and then you shut it off. This has been a 